This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. Welcome to the program. Triple Eight Seven Twenty Seven Beck is the uh, phone number. It's uh, Pat and Stu. Um, well, it's actually hi. It's actually me and him today. Uh, Pat is uh, sick, and uh, he'll be out. I don't know today, tomorrow, maybe a couple days. I don't know. He does not seem like he's doing very well. I know. It's it's weird. You as the least healthy person. Um, <laughs> I just get up and plow through, though. Doesn't make any difference. That's probably why we all get sick all the time, because you come in here with your little diseases and spread them around to the masses. Sorry. Yeah, you're not sorry. <laughs> um, but I do appreciate you at least feigning uh, that you're sorry a little bit. Oh, I, Stu, the last thing I want to do is make you sick. The worst part is we keep, you know, like I had to leave the show early on uh, Thursday. Uh, Pat's out today. And you're the one everyone wants to be out all the time. Like, they're like, hey, can you not have Jeffy? Uh, and then it, things keep happening to us. Uh, so, yeah, sorry. I, I did I, tragic uh, circumstances says. on Thursday, unfortunately. I did lose my, my little dog, Phoebe, uh, which uh, sucks really badly. And it was a very, it was a sucky weekend, uh, to be no, perfectly honest. We were taking down, uh, I finally talked my wife into taking down some of the Christmas decorations. Okay, that seems appropriate and, uh, as we're almost in February. Now, and, uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to start a nuclear war here. I'm but there's a, there was an old Christmas card hanging because we keep the cards. we got to hang them up every year mm-hmm. and the new cards and stuff. And it's, it's really sweet and nice. And, but one of them was of uh, you and uh, Lisa and Phoebe uh, from yeah. uh, 100 years ago. And I thought, oh, see, that dog's been around as long as I've known you. I know. It's I mean, she no was doubt. 16 years old. I know. Uh, obviously, we knew something was going to happen that's relatively near future. Uh, but she powered through a lot of stuff, uh, cancer, and uh, she, one of her eyeballs removed, and uh, I mean, this dog. It's not, it's not funny. You know? No, it's it's, not it's, funny it sucks. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a pretty good place on it in that, like, we did good. everything we could possibly do. Right. Uh, my wife is not having a very good time uh, oh, with boy. it, um, you know, just because it's, uh, you Seemed know, it like sucks. she was coming around a little bit yesterday. Yeah, she is. I mean, I mean slowly I saw a couple surely. of her. Yeah, slowly but surely. A couple of social media posts that made it seem like she was coming around. And these things are so much worse when you have kids and that, like, you know, my kids are young enough where they're not 
like it's it didn't hit them in a necessarily terrible way that you'd expect a, a, a lost yeah. pet to hit a kid, um, but it's just talking to them about it and and I mean it's 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 just the whole thing sucks. Um, and in addition to that, I missed the pie because uh, we were scheduled to have a segment that was where I was going to eat a lot of pie on the show, and I missed that segment. Um, in fact, it was not only was I supposed to eat. The pie. It was the pie place that I recommended. I know. And I will say, I, you know, look, what little bit of pie I had Thursday, I don't know that I could honestly say that it was as good as what you said it was. So normally I wouldn't do this, Stu, but I'm willing to, you know, have another segment again sometime this week just to, you know, with you here, of course, to see if if it is as, as good as you said. You know, sometimes I think you're a real jerk, but... Uh, I'm willing to go that, out on a limb and try it again. And then we can see if you were right. Okay, good. So, anyway, thank you for all you... Uh, everybody who reached out and, and was nice on, on the social medias. The, the four nice messages I get per year on social media. <laughs> thank you for sending them, uh, and I do really appreciate it. It's, uh, you know, it's somewhat, it is... It is family member level stuff uh, at times, uh, and it's you know you know it just sucks. I I don't you know I'm not good with these things anyway, Um, but uh, I do appreciate everybody you know being cool. Um, You know that that is uh, that does help you get through it, I guess. And and I I, I guess in in the world of social media, it's one of the positives. You notice I notice it certainly it certainly was therapy for my wife this weekend. You know she posts something, everyone responds, really nice things. They suggest things that have helped them through the same situation. They share their stories, and I think it helps you kind of work through that process, right? Oh, I was amazed at all the uh, as I was looking at some of the posts from your wife and reading the responses, and everybody's got their own little animal story from. Throughout the years, and uh, the first time, and the second time, it's just—I mean—it sucks. And and this is one of those too, where uh, you know I had I had you know pets that died when I was young, um, you, you know pets you have as a kid, and that's really traumatic. This is like you know my dog, you know, and right. you know this this spans basically the my entire relationship with my wife right. for the very yeah. very first early dating period. I mean, it's like the whole that's thing. I've, I've talked about that um, car, but I, I'm not joking. That kind of dog's been around as long oh, yeah. as you and I've known I mean, each other. We got that dog <laughs> a couple months after we moved to Florida during the mess of the 2000 election. Um, as we started, um, you know, as I moved to Florida to, to start working with Jeffy. Yeah. So, I mean, like, there's a real positive memory from that period. And then also the Jeffy part, um, which, you know, yeah, well, really ruined. Just throw it to you. You can hit yeah, no, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, that's what I do here, right? Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's been a long time. So that's a really, it's a huge part of your life. No kidding. It's basically, uh, to paraphrase Michelle Obama, my entire adult life, uh, for the first time, uh, I've lost a pet. Uh, so it's, it's just hard and it just sucks. But we still have two dogs and, and um, you know, it's, it's interesting to see how they react. That's another big part of it. Uh, when you lose a dog, it's like you want to see, you know, is your other dog going to be sad? And, and, and uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. How do you judge those things? It's a dog. Uh, it does not. Com- it does not confirm, or it doesn't answer my questions very well. I'll tell you that. What kind of dogs do you have? <laughs> no, I gotta get them checked out. Man. Uh, that's the big problem. Uh, so anyway, again, thank you for uh, reaching out. Uh, we have. Uh, there was some news, of course, uh, this weekend, as there is all the time. This is a new thing in our country, in which, basically, the president of the United States, and before this, one of the main candidates for president of the United States, gets to define what the news cycle is every morning at six o'clock. Every day. Um, it's incredible. I mean, basically everything this guy says is the main story every day. Every day. I um, mean, it's just a. It's a whatever. Whatever he's tweeting at 5 a.m., news, that's the day. 
It's the day. Take it away. Run away. Go with it. And everyone blabs about it all day. And then when that thing is over, they just, just launch a new one. I mean, the guy's able to essentially tweet and direct the media, which is, I know, something that the, that the his supporters really like. I mean, it, you know, you don't get bogged down. However, he definitely lost control of the media cycle this weekend with this, uh, let's call it the Muslim ban for purposes of exploiting how ridiculous uh, that phrase is as applied here. It really is not a Muslim ban. Um, I think, you know, the overwhelming majority of Muslims would still be uh, eligible to come here. Yes. It's got to be something, something in the neighborhood of 90 to 95 percent of all Muslims in America would still be eligible to come here. I mean, it's I don't know the exact number. There's probably 120, 130 million Muslims mm-hmm. who would be affected by this. I've seen that there was actually um, 100. I think the Huffington Post with the most alarmist uh, headline of the whole thing <laughs> said Trump bans 134 million people from the U.S. Okay. Now, so let's say Good. that's got to be the Muslims in those seven countries. I'm assuming that number. So we'll take that number uh, for, for the moment. There's how many Muslims in, in the world? You know, uh, 1.3 billion. So, I mean, okay. maybe, you know, 10%. Maybe 10. Um, maybe. And again, it's not, it's not a ban um, for, of all Muslims. Um, it, is, uh, it is something where they hit a, very couple, a few very specific things. And we'll go through them here in a minute. Go ahead. No, I, go ahead. We will go through them. But yeah. I, I just I find it frustrating that it, it, overall, it's a good thing, but the way that it was handled, and I know that we'll go through it and, yeah. and cover it, but it was just it was bundled so wrong. And I sat there this weekend, Saturday evening and all day yesterday, and I'm, I'm listening and watching some of this, and I, I'm amazed at, A, how it's being reported, and, B, how they handled it. It's unbelievable. It is. Both of those things. I mean, there's a lot of uh, incompetence uh, here. I, I couldn't believe um, it. Uh, much of it from the media, a lot of it from the Trump administration. Yeah. I mean, if you want to be honest about it, and I know a lot of people don't, um, you know, this was handled as if complete amateurs did it. I mean, no I, kidding. I, it was uh, this, this is a somewhat um, understandable piece of policy as delivered by complete and utter boobs. I mean, I, that, <laughs> yes. the only way to describe it. Now, it's not written that way. No, it I mean, is not. The way not. they handled it, um, and, you know, the early reporting is early reporting, so I give you that. But the fact that many of the people that were key to this did not hear about it in advance, were hearing about it as he was signing it on television, right. the fact that it hadn't even trickled down enough to the people at the airports who had any idea how to implement this policy or how to make these judgments, they had no specifics on what they were supposed to do, uh, and how you were supposed to handle the people who violated this. Uh, or, you know, uh, I think it was, uh, do I have it here? Charles uh, Cook, Cook from uh, um, National Review. Do you have that tweet in front of you by any chance? I do not, but um, I was going to tell you he, uh, Trump's art. Go ahead with Charles. Quickly, he said something effective. If they would have just alerted the right people, Oh, here it is, right here. If Trump had set an effective date, briefed by the DH, briefed the DHS, exempted those in transit, and excluded green card holders, he'd have been fine. I think that's probably true. Absolute, it's it's absolutely really not true. even a big deal outside of those things, but he handed on a silver platter the media with an obvious narrative, with, with crowds, with children coming into the country, not being able to be reunited with their parents, <laughs> with, with like people, generals who helped us in war are stuck at airports for hours. It just, again, you know, Kellyanne Conway, we have a clip. Let's watch Kellyanne Conway here real quick. And she makes a somewhat legitimate point in part of this. But, I mean, the problem is you don't hand these things to the media unless you have to. Watch. 
So uh, we just heard President Trump say it's all working out very nicely. But in fact, as we've seen, there are protests across the country and now federal judges have stepped in uh, to at least temporarily, temporarily block deportation of people who would come in who are banned from coming in under his order. Shouldn't that have been worked out before this order went into effect? The judge in Brooklyn, the Obama appointee judge in Brooklyn's uh stay of order really doesn't affect the executive order at all because the executive order is meant to be prospective. It's preventing, not detaining. And so you're talking about 325,000 people from overseas came into this country just yesterday through our airports. It's 325,000. You're talking about 300 and some who have been detained or are prevented from gaining access to an aircraft in their home countries and must stay for now. That's 1%. And I think in terms of the upside being greater protection of our borders, of our people, it's a small price to pay. I am told by the officials that anyone has been detained, if there's no further threat, if they're not dangerous to this country, they can expect to be released in due course, as most of them have already. I mean, that's a freedom versus security argument that uh, would make uh, our founders very uncomfortable. Um, I, and and it's, that's, look, that's a BS number. I mean, there weren't 325,000 people who came from the countries affected by this ban. I mean, yes, 325,000 people came here, I guess. I mean, we're, that's an estimate, obviously. But came here from overseas. But that does not, you didn't ban everyone from overseas. You no, you did from not. You from seven countries. What about those people? And Again, it, but I think the point stands, even though it's a BS number that it was a small percentage of people who were largely just inconvenienced for a few hours, and it's not the worst thing in the world. What the media is making it out to be is if it's essentially Nazi Germany all over again, <laughs> and there's no, it's not what happened. You know, we, if we don't have the right to slightly inconvenience people um, because uh, of our immigration policy, then we, we probably don't have an immigration policy. The point is, though, you don't hand this to the media. You know, you, people coming in, five-year-old children that can't be connected to their parents for multiple hours is a stupid way to let this policy go uh, happen. And they didn't inform people ahead of time. They didn't consult with people the way they wrote it. They didn't let anyone know ahead of time how to implement it. And that's the problem, yes. right? I mean, even Trump's uh, tweet from uh, of a four hours ago, so it was a this morning tweet. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, if the ban were announced with a one-week notice, the bad, in parentheses, would rush into our country during that week. A lot of bad dudes, in parentheses, not parentheses, but out there, quotes, right? or in quotation yeah. marks, yeah, quotation marks, uh, out there, why, exclamation why is, point. I mean, this is the most so, bothersome thing of the administration. Why is dudes in quotes there? There's no reason. <laughs> There's no reason for bad to be in quotes. On top of which, that's the whole point. Uh, he didn't need two weeks or a week. How about, I don't know, a couple of days? Well, How I mean, about, again, you know, this is what we're going to do I, you Monday. You don't have to make a national announcement about it. I understand. First of all, it's a dumb point. The refugees, as much as we don't think the screening process is thorough enough, they do have to go through it. You can't say, oh, in a week I'm not going to be able to go. I better go now. That's not the <laughs> right. way it works for Syrian refugees. There's a process that usually lasts a couple of years. Now, whether it's thorough enough is a whole other story. People who have gone through it claim it's damn thorough. Uh, but, I mean, it might not be right. You know, yeah. it's one thing to have a lot of people interviewing you and going through a process. The other thing is, how do you actually go deeper than that and, yeah. and, and, and weed out the people? However, all that being said, you don't have to tell America. Just tell the people that matter, the people who are, I don't know, implementing the process, the, the managers. Now, you're right. It might leak out in some way if you were to do that. But okay. that's part of it. Unless you want it to act like this and then 
you're, you get beat up uh, by the media, yes. And that's not something you make policy based on if you're going to be beat up by the media. I mean, we're already seeing this policy, which is a generally sensible policy. It's a generally yeah. sensible way to address the things he was elected to do. And so I don't think it's the policy as written is not horrific. But there is an issue there where now the policy is being viewed in a completely different light. It's being and they have the visuals to back it up. Uh, they have the stories to back it up. They have all the sob stories they need to vilify this generalized policy. Boy, no kidding. And the, which that, most people agree with. And the, this weekend with the Delta Airlines, uh, when they were all protesting at the airports, and the Delta Airlines had their IT uh, issues and had people not flying, and the airports looked so full, made it, you know, the, yeah. that visual of, it made it even look worse. It was bad for as far as the visual goes. <laughs> but they, look. Even now, if he goes back and says, all right, you know what? You're right. I'll, I'll rescind it. If something bad happens. Well, you know. I mean, he's, Trump can go, I told you. Yeah, you keep worrying. You know, people keep worrying about like, oh, you know, is Donald you. Trump a fascist and all of these other things? Like, you know, you want to talk about a crackdown on society. If somebody who should have been uh, covered by oh. this uh, comes in and does something, um, I mean, it's going to be this time. How much? hundred? You know, I mean, it's not going to, oh. he's going to, and this is why I don't like the idea of setting a precedent of agreeing with these executive orders from any president of any party. We opposed it with George W. Bush. We opposed it with Barack Obama, and we're going to oppose it with Donald Trump. Executive orders is not how you run an American government. That is not how you're supposed to do it. I don't care if it's too hard for you to go through Congress. I don't care if you don't think you can get the votes in Congress. I don't care if you think, well, amending the Constitution is too difficult. So what? It's supposed to be difficult. You're not supposed to be able to do these things by having a little ceremony with yourself and your four closest friends in the Oval Office. That is not how this country is supposed to be run. And, you know, Trump, we all know this, whether you like the guy or not, has no connection nor any care about how the Constitution works oh, or how please. it operates or how it's supposed to be affected. It means zero um, to so, him. Yeah, I mean, it's just not important. Zero. He wants to get things done. He wants to run the country like a CEO, which to him means doing whatever the hell I want, whenever the hell I want. You guys go back uh, to your little Congress thing and do whatever you got to do, but uh, we're going this way. Yeah, I mean, as evidence with this, do we have the, the Giuliani thing by any chance in here? I think we do. The, Giuliani, uh, yes, we do. Uh, again, this... This is how you do whatever you want to do um, uh, and not care about the process. Because, you know, I look at this executive order and there's a lot. He has wide berth with immigration rules um, uh, as, as, as the president of the United States. He can do a lot of things through executive order uh, legally. But look at how this, according to Rudy Giuliani, how this process occurred. Does the ban have anything to do with religion? How did the president decide the seven countries? Uh, I understand the permanent ban on the refugees. Okay. Uh, and, okay, talk to me. I'll tell you the whole history of it. So right. when he first announced it, he said Muslim ban. He called me up. He said, put a commission together. Show me the right way to do it legally. I put a commission together with Judge Mukasey, with Congressman McCall, Pete King, whole group of other very expert lawyers on this. And what we did was we focused on, instead of religion, danger. The right. air areas of the world that create danger for us, which is a factual basis, good, not a religious good. basis. Perfectly legal, perfectly sensible, and that's what the ban is based on. 
It's not based on you... religion. It's based on places where there are substantial evidence that people are sending terrorists into our country. I mean, you know, again, this is Donald Trump not he wanted to get rid of he did wanted to ban Muslims from coming in the country. He went to Giuliani. Find me a legal way to do it. That's how Barack Obama ran his administration. I didn't approve of it Forever. then. And yep. I don't approve of it now. That's not the right way to do these things. Um, and also, I mean, if he really wanted a Muslim ban, which, I mean, who knows? We're trusting Giuliani here. I don't know. Maybe he has a story wrong. Um, but, I mean, as far as the, it's written, it's really not written as a Muslim ban. And you want to want well, a great way for President Obama to prove that to America and to the media is to say that in many of these countries, Shia is uh, Muslims are the religious minority, and they yeah. would not be uh, barred from coming into the country based on that. Because this thing says, if you are a religious minority that is being persecuted, you can be uh, used, uh, imported as a, as a, uh, as a refugee uh, under this note. To me, the way I read it, for example, in Syria. Now, Syria is a little bit weird, but you know, I'm just using it as an example because there's more in the executive order specifically about Syria. But one of the countries is Syria. There's 74% Sunni Muslim, 13% Shia Muslim, okay, is, is, right. as far as their okay. country makeup. 80, it's about 90% Muslim country. Um, if you were to say Shia Muslims were able to be uh, imported into the country based uh, through this executive order, I think, A, it's consistent with the text, and B, would be uh, quite a step to say, wait a minute, this isn't a Muslim ban. We're only saying that uh, this is an easy step for him to take. Now, whether he actually lets any of them get through this process is a whole other story. I mean, he doesn't, you know, that's a whole other thing. Um, I don't know that he would, to be honest. I don't know that he'd be saying this honestly. But if he wanted to actually prove this was true, I think it's a very defensible thing that is consistent with the text of the executive order. You know, Shia Muslims in, in, in some of these countries are, are the able. Minority. Yeah, they are the minority and, in fact, the victims of many of these oppressive regimes. Um, we've said that we've heard this from people all the time, that Muslims are the victims of, uh, of terrorist attacks. And they are the biggest victims numbers-wise of terrorist attacks around the world. Uh, because Muslims a lot of times say you're not Muslim enough and kill them too. And, of course, they're the most <laughs> populous people in the general vicinity of, of where these attacks are usually happening, so they wind up being the biggest number. Yep. So that would be an interesting thing, and I, and I, I would be interested to see someone ask Sean Spicer that, because um, it's, it's an easy way for him to get out of this trouble if he cares to. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I think it's a... It's a, it's a does he care to? I don't know if he cares to. Part of me thinks he does this stuff because he wants people to be talking about yes. him all the time, and, and they will. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, and again, I say this as somebody who I honestly believed and do believe that his initial policy on this issue was abhorrent. And I, you know, I honestly think it was terrible and unconstitutional. And you know, if if he tried to implement that policy today, I would be fighting at it, against it full force. That policy that he announced, you know, like an idiot at the press conference when he was reading his own statement, which it's like, if it's your statement, just say it. You're reading your own statement for him. That statement, that policy was not this policy. It's completely different. It is largely in line with previous presidents. Which leads me to believe that Giuliani was telling the truth. I mean, that's what they did. That's they, they, there was no, there's no question about it. He went, he went and said, find me a way. Right, and that, but that, he didn't find a way to a Muslim ban. This is not a Muslim ban. Um, you know, the way he announced it initially was a, I think, an abhorrent policy. Uh, this is 
a policy that, while I think you could disagree with it, I think you can say, you know what, this isn't really going to do any good. You could certainly find parts of it where, well, hey, why didn't you go after Saudi Arabia or Egypt or any of these other countries that have actually had terrorists coming yeah. here and killing people? Well, why didn't you do that? You could expand it. Why, you know, refugees have not been the source of murder in this country. Um, at least as far as terrorist attacks go. Obviously, some surely have uh, committed murders. But, I mean, Cuban um, uh, refugees pre-1980 had a few. Uh, you know, there have been people looking for asylum, which is different than refugee status. Uh, that uh, ha that happened in, you know, with the Boston bombing. We know that. Um, the Ohio State was a, ref a refugee, but no one died in that attack. There are, there are asterisks all over that statement. Right. But the point, there are lots of things you can pick apart from this and say, well, it won't really be effective, or he should have done it a different way. But the policy of itself, look, this is not, this is not Nazi Germany. It's not. It's just simply not. These levels are consistent with previous presidents. Um, it's within his legal, as we understand it today, um, purview to control immigration policy. Yeah, I mean, we've let it slide for a number of years now, whatever. It's, yeah. it's all in his preview. That's why, um, and it just, it's why I can't believe how um, dumb it was laid out. <laughs> I really can't. From me, yeah. from me, how dumb it was. It's unbelievable to me. They've got, I mean, they actually, with the turmoil that they've got going on at the State Department alone, would make lead me to believe, you know, take a couple days anyway and just... Lay it out there. This is what we're going to do. Get everybody in place and then put the card on the table. Nope. Nope. We're just going to do it. Yeah, just throw it out there. Throw he'll, it deal out there. With the, he'll deal with the oh, arrows. Oh, that's and... right. We should have thought of that. Oh, oh, oh well, sorry. Yeah, you know, and we need to take a break. But, but specifically, what's interesting about this one is I think Donald Trump has convinced himself with abundant evidence that he can spin the media into letting at least his followers believe anything he says. So yeah, when so he far. has this crap going on with, uh, with, you know, with a disaster, a bad rollout, he just says, ah, it wasn't a big deal and the media is against me. And 80, 90% of his followers will, will, will adopt that uh, viewpoint. I was watching a cable news network this morning. It was as if... The, uh, the uh, Trump administration was on television giving you every excuse <laughs> I read on Twitter from the weekend. I mean, it's, uh, it was unbelievable the lengths they will go to to defend this guy. When there is some criticism here, there's, does not mean he's a bad president yet. Does not mean that he's done any, you know, anything that is uh, horrifically well, awful on Nazi bad, Germany though, levels. Fake news. But God forbid you just fake say news. that, you know what, maybe executive order isn't a great way of doing this, A, and B... If you're going to do it that way, you should consult with the people that know what they're doing. You know, you don't just have some guy from freaking Breitbart write it up for you. And it just does not seem like they, uh, I mean, you know, I don't know. Did we elect President Bannon? I, I can't remember. There is some level of criticism that uh, is supposed to be laid on a president, Republican or Democrat. And some people just need to get used to that. I mean, it's just going to happen. 888-727-BECK is the uh, phone number. Uh, Pat is out today. Um, he is uh, homesick. Um, That's what he says, anyway. <laughs> you don't believe him? I don't know. I don't know if it's fake news or not. <laughs> you think it might be fake it news could that be Pat fake is news. sick? No. It's possible. He could be. You know, Pat's known for uh, you know, occasional... Uh, <laughs> Weekend I mean, partying Oh, trips. my God. Uh, he could easily be just hungover. Um, <laughs> but probably not. Uh, take a positive step towards self-reliance uh, with my Patriot Supply. We tell you about this every day. Uh, this is uh, great food. It tastes like home cooking and lasts up to, what is it, 25 years? Uh, so you don't have to refresh it all the time. You don't have to. And one of the things Pat always talked about, I think you remember this, Jeffy, 
is uh, <laughs> you have to you could you had to rotate rotate the all the, rotate the bags of wheat rotate the bags of uh, hay straw whatever straw. you were saving whatever you were saying I don't know that uh, uh, my Patriot Supply has. Uh, ba- bales of straw? No, they do not. Uh, for you to keep? Uh, but not, they do not last 25 years. No. Just so, you know. so that was the thought. You get all this food storage, you'd line it up, and you would, over time, eat, you know, year, whatever food was oldest before it went bad, you'd have to eat that during the year, and then you'd have to replace it at the other end, and you'd constantly be rotating oh. this food. And then you're eating food that you don't really like. Uh, that's not my Patriot supply. You, you buy it once, you got it for 25 years. For example, they got a four-week food supply for $99 right now. And that includes free shipping as well. Um, so you're not going to get hit on that end. And the, then you just keep it there for, tw- you got 25 years before you have to think about eating it. However, if you want to eat it, it's good food and you'll enjoy it. It's not like barley. I never feel like, I know this is a surprise about food, but I never feel that I have enough of my Patriot Supply. And other food as well, but my Patriot Supply specifically. Because every time I go into the room where we keep it, I'm like, just not enough. Yeah, once you get into it, you can, you can really, I mean, and that's the good thing about my Patriot Supply is they can walk you through a lengthy process. If you want to do a month, you want to do, uh, uh, you know, a year, you want to do multiple years, they can get all of it for you at the best prices you're going to find. The point is, is to get started. Yeah, get started. 888-411-5290 is the number. 888-411-5290 or preparewiththeblaze.com. Preparewiththeblaze.com. All right, welcome back. Triple Eight Seven Twenty Seven Beck. We're working through some of this uh, coverage of the immigration uh, issue from this weekend, and this is one of the. If you want to have a problem with this, this is where you can have the problem. For example, this is amazing from the New York Times. General John F. Kelly, the Secretary of Homeland Security, had dialed in from a Coast Guard plane and he's headed back from Washington to Miami, along with other top officials. He needed guidance from the White House, which had not asked his department for a legal review of the order. So you don't ask the Department of Homeland Security to be involved in this at all with how this is going to be, uh, well, how the process is going to be written up. But okay, maybe that's what this call is about. Yeah, I think so. Halfway into the briefing, someone on the call looked up at the television in his office. The president is signing the executive order that we're discussing, the official said, stunned. They were briefing Homeland Security as it was being signed. (laughs) Now, look, that is not the way to get this to operate smoothly. You would expect major problems, and if he continues to do this sort of thing, I mean, it's going to wind up causing him more harm than good. There's no reason why you couldn't have told your Department of Homeland Security chief that what you were doing and get his guidance on it. That's why you put the guy in the role. Right, that's the whole point. I mean, that's the point, to be able to say, look, you know, if we do this, uh, we might want to think about, uh, oh, I don't know, taking care of this first. Let's take care of this first. Yeah, and, and that was the thing, is they were getting pushback. I know uh, there's another uh, anecdote in here, and it's going to take me probably too long to find it, but basically talks about how they went to, um, they went to the uh, discussions with this, and, and the way it was interpreted, and I think consistent with the way it's written, is that people with green cards, uh, permanent residents of the United States, would still be allowed. Still fine. Yeah, they're yeah, they're yeah. still fine. They're permanent residents. They're fine. Um, okay. Uh, and Bannon... Uh, along with uh, Miller, they're two top policy guys. I now guess that's the band, and he's the guy that some people think we elected president. Is that what you said earlier? It does seem like that is the uh, current state of our is. country. Uh, Bannon seems to be president, which, by the way, uh, goes with with the bad comes the good. There's some good things that have happened, I think, because of that process as well. Yes. I just wish he was on the ticket, and we could have, I don't know, maybe <laughs> voted for him if Trump was going to let him do everything. Um, but anyway, he overruled uh, the uh, 
the objections of other highly appointed and, and uh, people from the Trump administration and those who have expertise in this particular era and said, no, you know what, the green card people too. So that was one big cause of the problem. Um, now, they've seen, since have backed up, backed off on that uh, for what it's worth. Oh, that was probably not, that was probably kind of dumb, huh? You think? I mean, that was pretty stupid. Um, so let's uh, look at the actual details of this. We did this a little bit on radio as well, but let's go through it um, in case you don't know. Um, uh, now, this I, again, find kind of interesting from the source. This is uh, from David French. If you don't know who David French is, he's the guy from National Review who almost ran for president against Donald Trump as a conservative, like kind of the Evan McMullen <laughs> role, right? This is conservative third option. He's I forgot not a Trump about fan. that. Not a Trump fan. Um, here are the uh, key provisions. First, uh, the order temporarily, temporarily halts refugee admissions for 120 days to improve the vetting process, then caps refugee ad, uh, admissions at 50,000 per year. So you're going to take 120 days. We're not taking any refugees. I think that's a, a blanket statement. Does not mean just Muslims. Does not mean anything. It just means nobody for four months. No one. Um, so, you know, okay. you might not like that. However, uh, the, the cap is still set at 50,000 per year. So the cap in and of itself could still be filled in the eight months remaining. Sure. Um, and they're going to obviously attempt to up the vetting process in some way. Now, um, how that 50,000 number, is that crazy? It is not. Um, to give you kind of a sense, do we have the graph from this chart by any chance? Uh, 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 we don't have that. Um, there's a, well, let's see, do I have it in the actual article as it's printed? Yeah, out? I have one there. You have it? Can you show yeah, it? Yeah. This is a pretty interesting graph, again, from, uh, from National Review, um, and it actually comes from the Migration Policy Institute. Uh, can we get a shot of that by any chance? So if you see that line, uh, don't shake it like a moron. Um, if you see that line, <laughs> if you see the line here, let me, uh, let me play with it a little bit. See this line around here? This is about 50,000 right here. So if you see, throughout this period, it was sometimes under 50,000 during the Bush administration and just slightly above it in most years during the Obama administration. This does not show 2016 um, uh, where Obama increased the immigration um, standards a lot. But I think that's the point of this. Please. You're not Vanna Sorry, White. I'm just you're, I will say you're no Vanna White. <laughs> Um, 2002, the United States only did 27,000 um, uh, refugees. Uh, re uh, admitted fewer than 50,000 in 2003, 2006, and 2007. Under uh, President Obama in 2011 and 2012, he admitted barely over 50,000 himself. Uh, the rate is close to the average of the last 15 years uh, before Obama's big increase last year. And this is the key takeaway. Obama's expansion in 2016 was a departure from the norm, not Trump's contraction. Big point there, and important for you to understand. Um, secondarily, uh, we have a temporary 90-day ban of people entering the U.S. from Iraq, Syria, Iran, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and Yemen. Those seven countries come from um, various sources, but uh, this, let's see, I've got the article right over here somewhere. Here it is. Uh, DHS announces further travel restrictions from the visa waiver program. The visa waiver program was restricted by the Obama administration twice in 2015 and 2016, the result of which were these seven countries. Uh, again, it's uh, Syria, Iran, Iraq, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and Yemen. Those seven specific countries, almost definitely why they pulled those seven because they knew they'd have a, uh, a backup from the Obama administration. It would be tough for anyone to say, uh, wait a minute, those seven countries are fine. The Obama administration already identified them as not so fine. Right. Um, so they restricted uh, a 90-day ban on people entering. So that's everybody, not just refugees. No one can come in with, uh, from citizenship with those countries. Now, that does hit with uh, hit some serious problems um, there because there are many people who have 
who are very good people who have Sudan, who come from Sudan or Somalia um, and are here, people who have worked with our military, people who are in high profile. I know there's an NBA player, I think on the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, that, uh, that actually has resident, or is from Sudan, I think. Um, and the theory is that if he were to go play the Toronto Raptors in Toronto, he would he not be able, able to, to cross the in. border again right. um, because of this restriction. Now, of course, that is also addressed in the actual executive order, which says secretaries of state and Homeland Security may, on a case-by-case basis, and when the national, in, in, in national interest, issue visas or other immigration benefits to nationals of countries for which visas and benefits are otherwise blocked. So again, what they're saying is, yes, it's a ban. However, we'll make exceptions for... You know, a lot, you know, whoever, you know, we don't think is a problem. Now, again, that is a difficult thing to say. When you say something like that, well, like, for example, does the NBA player serve the national interest? I mean, probably not. I mean, not, not technically, but we don't think he's of any no, problem. He's not a, right, he's not a harm. Right, we don't think so, at least. I mean, who knows? I don't know the guy, but he certainly seems, I'm sure, to be, uh, you know, he's, I made an NBA roster. I doubt uh, uh, there's a huge terrorism problem there, but maybe there is. I don't know. Um, you know, basketball ability and terrorism, not necessarily mutually exclusive. <laughs> um, so I guess technically we could have like a 7-4 guy walking down the street with a machine gun. I've never seen it happen, but it's possible. Uh, the issue here, it though, is, is he can make exceptions for those people. The, the general, the kid, the five-year-old kid coming back to see his family who are residents, yes, you could probably <sighs> find uh, exceptions for those people. Um, however... Once again, they didn't set out a way to do that sensibly and logically. So you have this issue where now people in airports are trying to figure this out on the fly, and that's why it was such a disaster. And with no directive at all. Right. It's agonizing. Yes. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, third. third, Trump's uh, order also puts an indefinite hold on admission of Syrian refugees to the United States. So Syria is out. And I mentioned Syria before uh, with certain types of refugees. They're out for good, at least indefinitely. Um, now, it's not a huge difference from where we, we have stood. Um, 2016, the Obama administration Im- imported 13,000 Syrian refugees. However, that was the first time he was anywhere close to that number. The previous policy of the Obama administration was basically to let no Syrian refugees into the country. I'll give you the, ex- the numbers here. 2011 is when the civil war started Syri- in Syria. We only imported 29 total refugees from Syria. Think of that. 2012, it was 31. 2013, 36. 2014, 105. We started increasing in 2015, where we hit low uh, four digits, 1,682, and then 13,000. So once again, Obama's 2016 was the exception to the rule, not the rule. So uh, Trump is saying, hey, let's go back basically to 2013 President Obama. Uh, you know, that, that whole thing, I don't know how old you were, Jeffy. Uh, in, <laughs> in 2013? In 2013, you know, second term Obama. It seems like so long ago. Um, well, it sure does. So, but it isn't, actually. Um, again, Obama did the crazy thing that was out of the norm here, not uh, Trump. And again, as you know, I don't, I'm not a fan of Trump's. Fourth, there is a, uh, an odd amount of outrage. Um, no, you meant Obama. Uh, either. You said I'm not a fan. I am not a fan of either. Um, uh, but again, these things, I hope you've realized this by watching this show and listening to radio. It's important to us to try to tell you the truth, uh, as we understand it, whether we like the person or not. How yeah, many I mean, times we want we, everyone I, to do a good job. I have defended the people I think are complete dirtbags. I mean, I would say not Jeffy, but not, I have never defended Jeffy, but I mean, other than Jeffy, I will defend pretty much anybody who I believe is in the right. There's a lot of people who are. 
in the right on certain instances, but are complete dirtbags. And I will back those people up when, when they are correct. I'm not a fan of Donald Trump. I don't have high hopes for his administration. I do think some things will improve and some things will get worse. Uh, but uh, he defer deserves defense on this. Uh, Boy, however, I've been doing it for too long. We're going to take a break. Triple Eight Seven Twenty Seven Beck is the uh, number. That's enough. We can't. We back, can't. Back we can't talk, talk good about him anymore. Well, the other That's parts it. quickly as we're going to break here. Uh, you know, he prioritized religious minorities. That's very standard as far as immigration. Uh, the Obama seemed to do the opposite, where he would let less Christians in. Uh, than, uh, than were the population of the country. And that's another change that I think most people would, would cheer. Triple Eight Seven Twenty Seven Beck is the number. Jeffy, uh, did you see the, the Chuck Schumer cryathon? You know what? I didn't. Uh, I didn't see the. Uh, I didn't see it live. Very disappointed. Mm -hmm. But as I'm reading some of it, some of it I kind of agree with. Uh, douche Hall of Fame member Chuck Schumer, uh, Charles Chuck Schumer. Mm -hmm. uh, he started out with uh, this executive order was mean spirited and not American. And well, you know, okay, Chuck. Um, um, yeah. He surrounded himself, of course, by families uh, that were affected by the ban. It was implemented in a way, this is what the thing that I agree with, it was implemented in a way that created chaos and confusion across the country, and it will only serve to embolden and inspire those around the globe who will do us harm. Okay. But then, as he went on, he announced... Oh, no. Are you getting, uh, are you okay? I'm starting, to, I'm starting to break up, Stu, because we are working on legislation to overturn President Trump's oh, controversial no. executive order. <laughs> oh no, this is terrible. Temporarily banning, banning immigration from seven predominantly Muslim countries. Uh, Myself you... and others are working on legislation right now. <laughs> oh no. To stop this horrible, this horrible, horrible executive order from President Trump. This is very dramatic. <sighs> I'm so sad for you, Jeffy. You're really taking this one hard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, I mean, Come on, Chuck. Trump is coming out today Stop. calling it fake tears, which I, I think it was. I mean, oh, I, you know, look, I, I, you know, he's playing it up. I don't know. Maybe he really believes it. Who knows? Um, but I mean, the, the Democrats good. were not always in this position. They were not always uh, taking these really? stances. Yeah, they used to huh. have a different position on the issue of immigration. Watch this flashback footage. All Americans, not only in the states most heavily affected, but in every place in this country are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country. Huh. Hmm. The jobs they hold might otherwise be held by citizens Ooh, or legal immigrants. Oh, no. <laughs> the public service they use impose burdens on our taxpayers. That's why our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more by hiring a record number of new border guards, by deporting right. twice as many oh, criminal yeah. aliens as ever before, by cracking down on illegal hiring, by barring welfare benefits to illegal aliens. In the budget I will present to you, we will try to do more to speed the deportation of illegal aliens who are arrested for crimes, to better identify illegal aliens in the workplace as recommended by the commission headed by former Congresswoman Barbara Jordan. We are a nation of immigrants, but we are also a nation of laws. Yeah. It is wrong and ultimately I mean, self-defeating for a nation of immigrants to permit the kind of abuse of our immigration laws we have seen in recent years, and we must do more to stop it. But, oh, what? Standing ovation. Uh, look at that. That is 
amazing. Amazing. I mean, first thing you notice is the terminology, illegal aliens, which is, uh, you know, no, no longer allowed. You cannot say that ever. Uh, now it's undocumented citizens. Um, but, I mean, beyond that, I mean, this used to be something that everyone agreed with. You'll yeah. notice that right now, the guy who's so tough on immigration essentially has the Democrat view of the mid-90s. I mean, Donald Trump essentially has the same view as, I mean, he's the same. All those things were things that he's talking about doing. Um, That's why... <laughs> I'm so happy that Chuck Schumer oh, no. and some of his some of his fellow senators are working on legislation I right know. now no. to uh, to stop President Trump's this horrific immigration ban. Well, let's give you a moment to compose yourself and take a break. Triple so Eight Seven Twenty Seven Beck is the phone. <laughs> it's okay, Jeffy. Uh, someone has got to do something, Stu. Well, someone has got a... to do something about Donald Trump, President Trump's immigration plan. You just you, you're such a Some stories that Jeffy found and felt like sharing with us so we don't have to talk anymore. Yeah, just a second. I'm looking something up here real quick. While you're doing that, uh, <laughs> let me uh, no, that's alert. Fine. Welcome to the Pat and Show. Thank you. Appreciate, Appreciate that. Appreciate it. Seriously. And a quick update on the uh, General Mattis uh, is now drafting a list of individuals who would be exempt from the travel ban, likely to include interpreters, etc., uh, that comes, uh, that's from Jesse Rodriguez who tweeted that. Um, <laughs> would that be something you do before you sign no, it? No, let's do that, stupid. Would that potentially be something you'd plan for before you roll it out across the country? Why would you do that? Just a quick suggestion. Why yes, what do you got, Jeffy? Do well, according to uh, the LA Times, two California state senators, both Democrats, are seeking to expand the number of genders officially available for birth certificates and even driver's license. Thank you. Thank you. However, uh, they want official documents to now include the option of non-binary in an effort to keep California at the forefront of the LGBTQ civil rights. That's a good, good point. You know, we're always uh, uh, expected to uh, embrace every one of these things immediately um, when they haven't embraced them yet. No, they have not. You can't even and put it on your, on your, gift, on your gift certificate, on your birth certificate. <laughs> and they also are uh, a, little, a little behind. They have not, uh, it is not specifically the LGBTQ anymore. What do you mean? Uh, we've added a couple of letters. It is the LGBTQIA. What is the I and the A? So we got, got 10 seconds. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, and asexual to the list. So even this behind. More sites for you to run. So, That's a good start. That's a good answer. I'm a fan of that. All right, welcome back. 888-727-BECK is our phone number. We have a clip from Glenn coming up here in just a minute uh, talking about the, uh, the vault and some uh, not-so-great moments in our history. Before we get there, though, uh, Ben Watson is back in the news. And uh, Ben Watson's... He's uh, interesting. He is. Uh, he is a, a solid tight end in the NFL. Uh, he is a guy who uh, put up big numbers with uh, New Orleans a couple of years ago. It was with, I think, Baltimore this past year was injured. Um, uh, and before that, he was with New England, but known as a really good guy around the NFL, um, a very smart one. Um, he uh, has called upon men, however, and this is, I guess, controversial right now. Uh, men need to uh, uh, step up and take a stand on abortion. 
You're not supposed to do that if you're a man. Um, Jeffy, I don't know if you know this, uh, there are boy parts and girl parts. And um, You're telling me? Well, about it's time for the talk. Girl parts? It's time for the talk with Jeffy. Yeah, no, I okay. know. You're actually an expert. Okay. I, I know you're aware of this. Um, speaking so exclusive, boys are different than girls. They are. Uh, they are different. And boys if you don't have, if you don't have the girl parts, you're not allowed to have a, a an opinion on abortion. Apparently, it's interesting because <laughs> I, I, I kind of mentioned this. Uh, that's almost not apparently. That is fact. Yeah, uh, we talked about somebody who made a comment the other day of uh, some effect of like, oh, I don't want some white pervy old congressman making decisions for me, uh, like. First of all, it's always interesting to see, you know, what, what exact percentage of your opinion on abortion is based on skin color? Because you went out of your way to call them white. Yeah, you sure did. So uh, I know it's not zero, but I'm curious as to what percentage of, the, of, of that decision was made on skin color. But beyond that, pervy seems to indicate that you think that because a man has an opinion on a process, which first of all cannot be accomplished without a man, at least at this point, uh, but a birth, because it, I guess, involves female body parts that they're perverts? I, I don't even understand the logic. It's like just a way to try to vilify your enemy, always, obviously. Yes. Um, he says uh, he was talking to Breitbart, and uh, he spoke about his speech at the 2017 March for Life and how he specifically wanted to inspire men of all colors and races to be the chivalrous knights they are called to be and fight to end abortion for the sake of their women. When, when it, it comes to the black community, oh, you got it? Well, I was just going to tell you a little bit about when it comes to the black community. He said that we represent a larger proportion of abortions than I would like, than I would like, and he also went on to say uh, than any of us would like. And I, I thought that was interesting that the facts, we ran a video um, uh, of the guy called Big Joe, and he was on a bike, and I, I think it was on Friday, so you were, I was off, but it was, it made the rounds on the internet for a couple of days, and it was for, it was during the, uh, it was during the march in D.C., and uh, he was making a big point of uh, Margaret Sanger and abortions and more black people uh, uh, affected yeah, I remember than we white played people. Part of that, yeah. And but my point is, it's actually it's, it's nice to see that I don't know some education is actually starting to take root, and people are actually understanding that. Guess what? There'd be a lot more African American people in the United States if there were abortions. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, about 14 million of them. That's uh, it, though. Yeah, I mean, every time you're asked about race, I always like to say that, you know, my policy means 14 million more African Americans alive. <laughs> right. Your policy means they're dead. Who's the racist? I don't care what you think about what percentage of financial aid goes to college based on race. You think I'm wrong on that one? You think, you, think, you know, admission... Uh, to uh, college should be based on race. First of all, it's an interesting position to claim isn't racist. <laughs> you're basing the decision based on skin color, but you're calling me racist. That's always fascinating. But forget that. Yep. Let's just say you're right on that. My policy leads to 14 million African Americans being alive. What does your policy lead to? Uh, my policy leads hmm. to uh, women being able to do what they want to do sure. with their bodies, too, and not what some pervy old white man says. That's my policy. Your policies. Uh, now well, let's just explain that, how dumb it is. Uh, but it's interesting that that, that would be uh, part of that discussion. Um, he says, uh, and so to me, it's a big challenge to men as well as not just black men, not white men, but men in general, to step up and protect women, to protect young girls, to protect the pre-born. This is a heart issue. No matter who's in office, the people's hearts have to be changed when it comes to how we view life and how we esteem life. And that will uh, affect what happens at the top. Yeah. Uh, very true. Okay. I mean, absolutely true. I, I'm, I don't know, I'm... Sadly, uh, or happily, uh, a fan of uh, life. 
Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Mm, yeah. Wow, it's a strong. That should it should not be a strong stance, but it is. Uh, I mean, uh, I like when people are alive. It should not be controversial. Uh, I don't know why it is in this country, but I mean, it comes down to I, I think uh, Ben Watson has it right. It, it is about. Uh, changing people's hearts and getting people to actually examine this issue. You find so many people who will fall back on the same arguments that have been made forever. Oh, well, it's a women's rights issue. Well, you know, it's not a women's rights issue. I, that's people, people have a tough time with that statement and the way I like to say it in the most uh, uh, the most uh, challenging, I guess, way possible. I, I like to say it's not a women's rights issue. It's just not because women can do whatever they want to their own bodies we don't, we're not talking about their own bodies. We're talking about the other body inside of them. Ask, to, ask any woman who is pregnant if uh, they believe uh, the being inside of them is a being. They're all going to say, my baby. And no one's going to say their fetus. Yeah, um, I mean, that's why, that's why the abortion uh, activists all want to ban, uh, ban the... Uh, um, Okay, ultrasounds. Yeah, ultrasounds. Yeah, we were just yes. talking about that. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, amazingly, because because once you see that it's not a piece of broccoli, mm-hmm. it's tougher. Oh to, yeah, it's tougher to to uh, abort. You can't kill that. Um, and by the way, on this front, uh, you know, as, as much as I've complained about Trump, if he's able to uh, overturn, let's just say, let's just say he was able to put in two Supreme Court justices, and the balance of power switched, and Roe versus Wade was overturned, and. Wow. 15, 20 states were able to ban abortion on their own. Um, just that, really. I mean, it, you know, even if he sucks everywhere else, largely that would probably be enough for... Uh, <laughs> would it make up to... I don't know. I mean, it depends what the enough. other stuff is. I mean, you know, there are things you could do that would probably... But, I mean, it's hard, to, it's hard to overstate how horrible this is. It really is. We're talking about over 50 million people that shouldn't be alive and aren't in this one country. Not to mention what else has happened around the world. Uh, you know, it's hard to really overstate how bad... This is. It really is. And, you know, we're supposed to find out the first uh, Supreme Court justice uh, tomorrow. Now, we should know that Trump can only screw this up tomorrow. He can't, <laughs> he can't advance I this saw, cause. I've got to find the quote that, that they were running underneath what he said about his next, the nominee, but it was definitely a Trump quote about being uh, highly... Uh, effective, <laughs> wonderful, great. Right, yeah, of course. Fantastic. He's supposed to announce this uh, this person tomorrow night. Now, um, 8 p.m. Stu. 8 p.m. WH parentheses from the White House. Um, the the only the only reason I say he's the only thing he can do is screw it up is because he's replacing Scalia here. You already had that vote, so he can't. Yeah. He can't. You know, he can't. He's not taking. If Ginsburg were to step down and he was to re- replace someone who was really good on this topic, that could be a real game changer in this, uh, in this arrangement, and hopefully it is. We'll learn something about his picks here. We'll, we won't learn it all. Um, you know, we ex- certainly expect him to pick off this, 20 list, this list of 20 judges uh, that was designed for him that he basically had no input in. Um, I mean, but again, if he chooses one and gets them in, it's going to be a positive, and I'm going to be happy about it. Um, most of the justices uh, that would be on the Supreme Court from this list would be pretty good. They might not be as good as Scalia, but I mean that's a high bar. Uh, we just don't, don't want we don't want a, a disappointment here, you know. So we'll see what happens with that uh, coming up uh, 8 p.m. tomorrow night. So we'll have tons of coverage of that on Wednesday's program uh, and on on Wednesday's uh, radio show as well, and that's uh, all coming up later this week. Um, David Barton was on uh, The Vault this week, and they talked about bad history. Uh, and this is an issue that David has just dealt with forever, talking about how historians have, in most cases, intentionally, in some cases, unintentionally, screwed history up. So the lessons that we should have learned from 
uh, what has happened in this country have been lost. Uh, the original documents have been lost. And impressions taken by progressive historians 100 years later have been wo you know, woven into our system in, in ways that are really hard uh, to get rid of. Here's uh, David and Glenn talking about bad history. The Klan. Men that were half outlawed, denied suffrage without hope of justice in the courts, who meant to take this means to make their will felt. They were to protect their people from indignities and wrongs, to succor the suffering, uh, particularly the families of dead Confederate soldiers, um, uh, to enforce what they conceived to be the real laws of their states. It talks here, David, about... They were the heroes. They were the heroes. They were the heroes. Now, Reckless men. Listen to this. You, you, Reckless men not of their orders. Malicious fellows of the baser sort who didn't feel the compulsions of honor. They were the ones uh, that would burn down houses surrounded in the night, inmates shot as they but fled. But not the clan. But not the clan. Not the clan. Men were dragged from their homes, tarred and feathered. Some who defied the vigilant visitors came mysteriously now, to a sudden death. I, I, I see your problem. Don't read it for yourself. Listen to what the professor told you. Yes. Because he told you, he sent you a clear message. You need to believe the professor. Yep. He has a PhD. You don't. Yep. Don't try to read that for yourself. When I, when I was in, um, I went to Yale and um, was in class, and a professor said, Mr. Beck, what are you reading? I'm 30 years old. And I told him. And it was heretical stuff. I mean, it was, it was crazy stuff. And um, he said, don't read that. That'll screw you up. And I said, okay. What should I read? And he said, you should read this. Next week I went and I raised my hand and I said, hey, I, I, wa I want to ask that question again. And he said, Mr. Beck, didn't I tell you not to read that? And I said, no, you told me to read the other. I did. And we can talk about that if you want. I want to know about this. I don't want to know that you think it's wrong. Yeah. I want to read it myself and know why, why it's, it's wrong. wrong. Yeah. Don't anyone who tells you not to read yeah. something, they've got yeah. something to hide. Or anybody who tells you that I'm the expert in this qualified, you don't need to check it out, you can trust right. me, I've got the PhDs. And, and, and this is the interesting thing that I'm seeing right now, because we talked about the oral quote. Right now, who is it that teach? This guy that, that gave you the he's a history prof at Ivy League school, yes. which means he has a history degree. Mm -hmm. And you go to schools to get a history degree to come back and teach history somewhere, mm -hmm. write history books, be a director of curriculum in high mm -hmm. school. What? All right. This is the report that's out right now. It's by the American College of Trustees and Alumni. And every year, U.S. News World Report comes out with their elite colleges, the, the top ones in the university. Mm -hmm. And so this year, there's 76 elite colleges. These guys went in and said, all right, at the 76 top colleges, the, the, the names you want in your diploma, how do they teach history there? And so what they did at the 76, they found that in the 76, there's only 23 that now you're going for a history degree. So that's 30 hours generally in, in your major field, probably 10 courses on history. So you're getting a history degree to go back and teach somewhere. And only 23 of those colleges require you to get any course, even one course in American history. So at 54 of those colleges, you can go all the way through and get a history degree, go back and teach history, but you've never had a single course on American history, not one. Now, at the 23 who have it, 11 of them, for your history, you have to have a history course. It can be the history of sexuality. It can be the history of cigarette smoking in the 20th century. It can be the history of soccer in Latin America, because that, that is America after all. And so you're essentially looking at a 76 top universities, only 11 require a single course 
in American history to get but your it, history degree. But it's not, it doesn't have to actually be American history. Oh, no. Well, 11 of them, it does have to be a course. So you're talking basically one out of seven, maybe 14, 15 percent of the elite universities. To get a history degree to teach history in America, no courses on American history. So that's your, your Ivy League guy. No, 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 that's not, well, I've, I've read the books about what, you never read the book that Wilson himself wrote because there's no way you can read the book you just read, which, which Wilson wrote himself. That's 1902, The History of the American People, five volumes. I mean, there it is. There's just five volumes. Yep. You can't read that for yourself and say what that professor said. You can't. You can't. But then again, he probably never had a course in American history. Well, maybe he did, but maybe certainly he did, today. But he has a different point of view. Yeah. And why am I learning, instead of learning from, and this is why our museum that we're trying That's to right. build is so critical. This is why the vault's so critical, too. Right. I mean, what we put in that museum, what Correct. we call out, it's I huge. have to tell you, David, I knew that Woodrow Wilson, because I've, I've read it a million times. I've never read that. I've mm -hmm. never actually gone to the original source. But I knew that Birth of a Nation, based mm -hmm. on History of the American People, mm -hmm. written by Woodrow Wilson, yada, yada, yada. Yep. I go, and I'm looking some stuff up, and it says, no, that's none of that's true. And I'm like, get out of here. It's a big history professor at a prestigious Ivy League school. I'm lucky enough to be able to own those books in the vault. Yeah. So I came down here, and I'm thumbing through the books, and I'm like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely that's true. Well, let me, let me show you something else, because th there's, there's Wilson set right there, okay? Yep. And he was the president of Princeton, so he's a great academic. And when that set came out, academics all across America said, oh, man, a book by the president of Princeton, a series of history books. Well, this is what our history has to be. So we write, we write our history. Here's, here's what we had. Now, he did his in 1902. Here's one from 1852, the services of colored Americans in the wars of 1776 and 1812. Oh, my gosh. Now, here's one. Oh, my gosh. From 1855, 1855, and, and this one is um, 1855, Colored, Colored Patriots, Patriots in the American... Look how thick, Look the, how book thick Look this how thick is. Look how thick the book is. Now, let, let's not stop there. Let, let's go right here. See how thick this book is? This is the black phalanx. These are the black soldiers who have fought on behalf of... Where did they all go here? Now, we had them for, for 150 years before Wait, Wilson wrote this book. these are both American Revolution? No, this is, this is Civil War, guys. Civil War. This is, this is up to the Civil War. This is up through the Revolution and the War of 1812. So we're getting all of our major wars. We got 1812, the Revolution. We got the Civil War. And by the way, we've also got all these Negro orators and their orations, the great, some of the greatest orations right ever given. There you go, History of the American, that hit Negro orators and their orators. We got tons of history. Where did it go? There's not a single one of those names or persons in Wilson's history book. Wow. And he's saying, well, it's because their rights have been violated by blacks having the right to vote. Uh, don't think that was the issue back in the Revolution, the War of 1812, and the Civil War, especially since the right to vote was guaranteed by the 14th Amendment and the 15th Amendment, 1868, 1870. So what are you going to do with all the black history before that? So what happens is that's why kids today think black history begins with wow. MLK. They do. W. I did. Joyce. There's... What happened to all these? Look at that. How well, many Frederick, Frederick Douglass um, uh, almost erased, almost, almost erased, and I'm convinced they erase him because he has the well, he has the he has the same uh, view as uh, um, Booker T. Washington. Uh, let, let me let me see if you get this about Frederick Douglass in your history. Number one, he's a preacher. Amy Zion, preacher. Everybody no. thinks the civil rights. You didn't know he's a preacher. You, mm, a strange no. thing. We don't talk about faith. Mm -hmm. And he served in 
he was there for five different presidential administrations. He served in four, and they were all four Republican. The Democrat that came in threw him out. The Republican got elected after him and put him back in. So he serves in four presidential administrations, all Republican. The one Democrat that comes along throws him out. You did get that in your history. No, book, didn't, didn't. You didn't get that in your Didn't even get that he was in an administration. And, and you didn't get that he helped write the Emancipation Proclamation or decreed the first black regiments in the Civil War? No. Or um, was against the Constitution, and then he read the Constitution yeah, right. and said it was the greatest anti-slavery bill ever passed. But what about the three-fifths clause? I know. Yeah, well, know. he read it. All, he I says, learned, all I learned about him was that he was a great man, he was a, uh, a slave, and uh, got to Abraham Lincoln, and somehow or another he turned Abraham Lincoln around. Yeah. I may have gotten the, he crawled through the window of the White House to be there for the inauguration or something. I don't remember what it was, but in the, in the ballroom, he Actually, crawled Actually, he got to go through the front door whenever he wanted because he was no, so David, cute. David, he crawled through the windows. Oh, that's right. That's a history book you read. Uh, yeah. yeah. Don't read Frederick Douglass' stuff. You don't want to go there. No, Frederick Douglass and Booker T. Washington. And again, Booker T. Washington, you read up from slavery. I went and I bought just, like, where's that book? I bought, bought a book like this, soft cover. Uh, and it said exactly what this one does. Uh, abridged for the modern abridged, <laughs> abridged and edited. For the modern reader. And I opened it up, and the introduction was, about, was from a, an Ivy League professor who said, we're not even sure he was even a slave. We're not sure how much of this is true. So they're, dis they're editing and discrediting every step of the way. Mm. And I'll tell you, the people who should be angry at this are the African Americans. Oh, yeah. Their history has right been there. stolen. All the heroes. I, I just got done with a seminar with several black churches in Chicago area. And it was a seminar all about black history. I think I'm white. Uh, and it's like, how come we're learning our history from you? Why? I spoke at Walter Reed Hospital, a huge medical facility, on Black History Month, special presentation. They kept my pictures off all the posters. And so they hid me in the back, and it's a room jammed full, hundreds of black folks in the military, and they bring out the white guy, and you hear a little booze going on. And I got done, and a colonel came up to me at the end, and he says, I saw you came, come out. What in the heck's a white guy? He said, I've learned so much about my history. And he said, now I know why they had you. Now I know why they didn't show your picture. None of us would have showed up if they'd known you. But you've told us our heroes that we never even heard about. Mm -hmm. And see, everybody used to get that before Woodrow Wilson. Before Woodrow Wilson, we knew history. Woodrow Wilson, the academics get together and they're a little collective and they say, oh, he's a great thinker, so we use him. Because, again, of Orwell. That's he right. He who controls the past controls the future. That's right. But who controls the present Controls, controls the, the past. past. He controlled the present. And so now that means he controlled the past, which controls the future. So we are a terrible nation because we were so anti-black. it's funny. You know who else wrote a great series of history books? Um, what is it? The Time to Come? I can't remember what it is. H.G. Uh, Wells, mm -hmm. a massive Fabian mm -hmm. socialist. And he knew history needed to be corrected as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a whole section of history books written by H.G. Wells. Welcome back. 888-727-BECK is our phone number. 
Uh, researchers in France have discovered something interesting um, about hamsters. Now, Jeffy has an entire website dedicated to hamsters if you want to get more information on that. Uh, it might not be the information you're looking for, but uh, we can tell you at least this part of the puzzle, piece of the puzzle on, uh, on hamsters. Um, they will get a little weird if you feed them a, a diet of corn. In fact, if you give them corn all the time, corn, 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 all day corn, uh, all corn and no meat makes Jack a dull boy. He starts, uh, the hamsters start, uh, well, they start killing each other with cannibalism. New paper outlines the efforts at, uh, what? Can I just say that I just want to be clear that uh, my sites have nothing to do with these hamsters. Okay, I, don't, I think people understood that. I don't think you needed okay. to, 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 to say that. All right. um, so, why does the European hamster um, die off at an alarming rate? The hamster has been critically endangered in Western Europe uh, and research to figure How out many the times have you said to yourself, why are European hamsters dying so young, Stu? How many times? Well, I mean, how many times? One. That's just it. The time when I read it there. No, you just mean yeah. today. <laughs> no. Oh man, that's a huge issue. I know Pat has a bumper sticker that actually says, "Why <laughs> are, are European, European hamsters dying out at an alarming yeah. rate?" And that's a big thing for him. Uh, hamster is critically endangered in Western Europe, and research into the cause seemed to hit a brick wall. At first, it was theorized that pesticides, pesticides, and industrial yep. plowing might be GMOs. The that's not, of course they, that was not the end answer. of the story. Perhaps the hamsters' uh, underground layers were being destroyed, leading to the population drop-off. All that was ruled out. Um, so they tried doing some experiments, uh, figuring uh, the hamsters' diet might be part of it. Um, of they gave grain, um, Previously, the rodents' diet consisted of grains, roots, and insects. But the regions in which its numbers were dropping had been taken over by the industrial farming of corn. That's what I said, GMO, corns. A first set of lab experiments with wild specimens compared wheat and corn-based diet with side dishes of clover or worms. Which one do you prefer mm -hmm. as a side dish? Oh, uh, well, you know, some days it's usually worms, but <laughs> once in a while it's like, oh, you know what, I'll take a clover. <laughs> there was no difference in the number of pups born or the basic nutritional value of the different menus. But when it came to survival rates, the difference was dramatic. About four-fifths of the pups born of mothers feasting on, what, on wheat and clover and wheat and worms were weaned. Only 5%, however, of the ba baby hamsters whose mothers ate corn uh, made it that far. Right. What was most disturbing is how they perished. The horrific results Think found that mothers who were, uh, were, well. No, go ahead. Okay. Uh, mothers were kept with their pups uh, with their stash of maize, which of course is corn, and eventually ate them alive uh, if they had the corn diet. They also developed black tongues and began, began acting erratically, climbing and pounding their feeders. GMOs, corn. No, it's not. That's what it says. You're not even reading it. Just skipping right over GMO corn. I don't, I don't see <laughs> GMO corn. And Improperly cooked maize-based diets have been associated mm -hmm. with higher rates of homicide, suicide, and cannibalism in humans. Is that true? I, I seriously, I, wanted, <laughs> I, I don't know. Come on now. So if you improperly cook cooked maize-based diets have mm. been associated with higher rates of homicide. Suicide and cannibalism in humans. Come on now. That cannot be true. I've never Stu, heard that. You're the Mr. Study Guy, Mr. Numbers. You've got to give me the numbers on I that. i got to say, I don't know any other corn diets. Uh, a deficiency numbers. of vitamin B3 has been traced to a condition called pellagra. It's believed that 3 million people died from this between 1735 and 1940. Okay. Hmm. And because of that, 
Oh my gosh, scientists decided to test out hamster subjects <laughs> with a purely maize-based diet. But they added the B3. Suddenly the hamsters being given additional vitamins starting doing normal hamster activities instead of in devouring their offspring. Okay, so <laughs> that's GMO corn. <laughs> I didn't mention GMO, GMO corn, corn right there. It says story. that right there. Um, well, look, uh, maybe you're dealing with the same type of grief a lot of people are around the country. Oh, my gosh. Um, amidst employees in tears following the election of Donald Trump, the EPA is offering counseling sessions on those <laughs> people dealing with change. Good. Um, Good. They got, uh, I guess, slides. Do we have any, any of the slides um, from this study? Oh. We don't. I mean, I didn't get to eat pie. Now I don't have the slides. Right. This is unbelievable. Topics included how to deal with change, how to keep your composure and make decisions under pressure, how can you spend your energy more wisely and have more as a result, and how do you recognize and eliminate harmful habits that cause you stress. Mm. Agency's uh, assistance program held the sessions, also covered how can you stop yourself from getting hurt and or angry. That's, I'd like to go through that class. Yeah, you're... How to, get, how to stop myself from getting hurt and or angry. A spokesperson for the APA... Uh, said that uh, the counseling was part of regularly trained, regularly regular training available to employees. Oh, okay. So this is, that, they're saying it's nothing to part do with of the, the Trump deal. thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I would not change. be surprised. Hopefully Trump can uh, change that so it is no longer part of the regular And he very well process. might because uh, uh, this is from, uh, you know, the older EPA people. He's got new people in place. I mean, that's the whole thing behind Trump, right? He's shaking up the, shaking the tree a little bit. A Shake. little bit, yeah. I mean, not shaking it, you know, of the things he said. Like, he was, like, made a big deal about how Ted Cruz's wife worked oh, at know. Goldman Sachs, and then he Everybody goes in and points, like, nine <laughs> Goldman Sachs people to his administration. Now, that doesn't That's necessarily bother much. me because, you know, Goldman Sachs, the reason you know the name is because all the really smart, rich people work there. Uh, a lot of those people right. are, uh, are the best in their industry, which is why they get hired. Uh, so you, Good. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to to employ Goldman Sachs people. Could be but, specifics, but he was the one complaining about it, right. which is frustrating. Right. Um, finally, before we uh, take a break here, uh, UFOs. You a big UFO guy? You got to be. You have to be a huge UFO believer. Well, there are a couple different UFOs. I mean, there's unidentified flying objects. We all there's always unidentified flying objects around. Now, if you're referring to that, yes. Now, you're also there's also most people, UFOs, they mean space aliens. Mm-hmm. Well, Stu, of course. See, here's the thing. I mean, what are you, dumb? Number one, no surprise that you believe Are you believe dumb? Are you, think that, you, think, you think that all the space around us, no, no other beings are coming to visit well, I us. guess what my bigger issue with this would be, why did you take the time to separate unidentified flying objects and aliens if you believed them both? What would possibly be the reason for you to take the time Just to so specify the two groups? Thinking that I would, that I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, now we're all believers because of what happened in Austin. We have footage, apparently, of uh, you know, UFOs. Nice. There it is. Look at that. <laughs> you just kept that cut off where you could see the airplane? That's not a good way to... <laughs> if it's an airplane, it's not... An no, there you can see all. the airplane. Oh, no, what? Oh, uh, no, he may be talking about another one. It did look like a, like a fire source almost. Like It looked like it was um, maybe a giant jet propulsion type of uh, situation. Can we watch it again? Did yeah, but the it? way it was moving... It mo- we, uh, we, uh, that. Well, he, it's just the camera moving around that makes it look like it's going fast. You can see that the camera's moving. No, around. the camera's not moving there. It's moving. You can see the airplane... 
No, you can. It's. No, you can see. Look, if you look closely, I don't know if you can see this on TV. On the TV box, there's a strip here of. Some yeah, sort of I know what you're talking about. So you but see I, him. He's moving the camera around. It's not moving around fast. No, it's it's just, moving. Well, it's moving, but it's not moving around the camera shot. He's moving the camera. Are you trying to say that this isn't a UFO? Is that what you're trying well, to do? I can't identify it. See, so. he's not. It's moving. No, it's not. He didn't do that. Yes, he did. He did not. Look at you. Could see the other things in the camera. I'm looking as well. at it. Are you drunk right now? What? What? what are you? I'm looking at. There's no. Watch. You could see. Watch. So you could see it. He's not moving. moving he's that. moving. It's moving at the same pace. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you can see the airplane. Oh, you do. Oh my gosh. You're <laughs> you are out of your mind. Does anyone that happen to have a uh, a miracle you are cure for out Pat? of your mind? Yeah, I mean anything. I don't care. Out I, of even your if mind. it shortens his life by a few years, anything you to don't. get him back tomorrow. <laughs> so I don't have to do this again. I can't. I just can't. I, I can't. Then don't lie about the UFO. <laughs> I don't right. know what your problem is. <laughs> back in a second. Triple eight seven twenty seven back. By the way, spoons today. We're getting pie coming Again? up. I assume it's going to be all the pie that I didn't eat last time. You guys didn't eat it. You guys didn't I, eat my pieces. I, did did, I didn't eat your pieces. No. No. Why? Why are you? Why aren't you looking at me anymore? I don't I understand. Any pieces? You're guys. looking at the other way. Yeah. Welcome back. Triple eight seven twenty seven Beck is the number. Uh, so, do you remember the what they call the Satanic Panic? I don't. Uh, I kind of remember this a little bit. Uh, back in the eighties, uh, they're trying to come up. They're trying to say that there were certain things that were uh, vilified in this uh, era, like uh, Mr. Ed. Do you remember this? I don't. I don't. I don't at all. Mm. Uh, they, they, apparently, the, they, they thought that if you played the theme song backwards, it sounded like the singer was saying, the source is Satan. <laughs> Which, what would that... So you're thinking the Mr. Ed creators put the source is Satan? I mean, you know what? If you had a freaking talking horse, it might be Satan. <laughs> uh, that's not even actually a bad theory. Uh, but what else would you think it was going to be? Oh, my gosh. You know, what's so funny about most of this is that I can't believe that you'd, first of all, where, what kind of state of mind are you in that you're playing Mr. Ed's open backwards? Right? I mean, <laughs> well, I think you can answer that. I, that's what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> I mean, at some point, about the, you know, 30 or 40 tokes off that bong, mm-hmm. you're thinking, you know, <laughs> we should play that backwards. Yeah. And then it's done. Then you're done. Then it's Satan. You just said Satan. Let's try to say How about Procter and Gamble? They got caught up in the uh, in the panic when it was decided their logo, which dated back to 1882, people thought it had uh, apparently satanic symbols. Really? They had a press conference to deny claims they were donating to a satanic church, and set up a toll-free phone line to assure people there was nothing satanic about their logo. I mean, it does. Uh, I guess. You guys look similar? Uh, okay. And I guess there's an inverted 666 in there. Uh, so. But they, of course, they removed it. It was just to forget, you know what, to avoid further problems. And uh, we don't don't want to panic the crowd. We'll just remove it. I mean, 1882. That's a long time to, I mean, 100 years, your logo. But, I mean, this happened a lot. There was a lot of... uh, there's a lot of um, institutions that had that were positive that had ties to the swastika before you know, yeah. Germany kind of ruined that one. 
Sure not did. to mention the, uh, the, the mustache, the Hitler mustache, which really, since then, only Michael Jordan tried to pull off. There's only been one person since Adolf Hitler that tried the Hitler stash, and for some reason it was Michael Jordan. It was short-lived. We uh, should find a picture of that because I, now that you say that, I, uh, that's funny. All right, see if you can dig one up for us. It's definitely on the internet. Definitely a, a picture funny. of Michael Jordan with the Hitler stash. What a strange choice. Uh, it's not a good one, guys. You know, sometimes things just, it's just you're not going to be able to bring them back. I mean, you could... Why not? I mean, he's first of all, he's Michael Jordan. If right? anyone could so, do it, it would be Jordan, right. I guess. So but, I, mean, uh, I mean, that kind of proves that you can't. Right, right, you can't. There's no way to go. Just let it go. Um, one of the, um, I thought things, I always thought, because, you know, he was known to be a big gambler, obviously had his, his yeah. gambling issues. Oh, I always thought maybe bet. he lost a bet on that yeah. one. Yeah. Well, look, That's if you lose this call. one, you're going to have to, what, you're a Hitler stash in public. That's probably like, a good call. Oh, I'm not going to lose, got and then he lost. Uh, that's my theory on the Jordan Hitler stash. We'll get to that in a minute. We we should let's get Michael Jordan on the phone. Yeah, can we get Jordan on? Uh, if he doesn't have time to Skype, just put him on the phone and uh, we'll talk to him. Uh, get him in studio. Let's get him in studio. To Is he in town that. today? I, mean, I was ask, trying to talk to him today about it. Yeah, let's just get him in town. We'll fly him in. Right. And, and, and Marissa, just ask him to grow the Hitler stash back uh, for the segment. Okay. We'll okay. shave it off. She's for him. got that. We'll shave she's it off for him so he doesn't have to do it again after it. Uh, Phil Phillips joined Pastor Gary Greenwald to to val- uh, to battle apparently. Uh, Smurfs. Uh, you had uh, Smurfs, the Thundercats, He-Man, and Rainbow Bright. Boy, I remember all of those. Were a gateway to corruption aimed at children. The Smurfs were said to be a depiction of dead homosexuals. What? What? I do not. The Thundercats and He-Man were inspired by heathen gods. Rainbow Bright has a pentagram on her cheek, the mark of pure evil. Does Rainbow Bright have a pentagon on her cheek? I, do we have... The, that information? Do we Is have a picture the, of that? The Rainbow Bright? I kind of want to see. I re- kind of remember too. Rainbow These are very much from my uh, my childhood, these uh, toys. Oh, here's Rainbow Bright. Oh, yeah, she is a star. It's, not, it's a star. It's not a freaking pentagram. It's Rainbow Bright. It's a little star, right? It's a pentagram. Very strange. People uh, get bored. And Why they, do they, I remember they, all of that? I must have not been. Yeah. Uh, coherent, maybe? Uh, lucid? Maybe the word you're looking for. I mean, uh, I thought I was at the time, but there might have been so. a number. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, we have Jordan, the Jordan Hitler stash picture. Uh, now, Jordan, if you oh, look at go. that. Now, look, it's just not a good choice. I mean, Mike. <laughs> people did not want to be like Mike uh, that much that they would hilarious. wear the Hitler stash. That, I swear he lost a bet for that. That had to have been right. I think you're right. That's a good call. Yeah, I think he, you're right. He's got a he's got a four. Because that's the only on the way 18th. that yeah, that's the only way you grow that right. <laughs> Even if you're Michael Jordan, you know you can't wear a Hitler mustache. They're just <laughs> you just don't right. <laughs> so he misses the 12 footer on 18. <laughs> he's wearing a Hitler stash. He's wearing the Hitler stash. That's, that's a new fact in my that mind. Is that's a, exactly that what happened. That is exactly uh, what so happened. That, that will spread until, that on the internet. Until he gets on the air uh, on this very broadcast to deny it. Uh, yeah, if he comes in fact. here with the Hitler stash on and stands over there at your little uh, table and yeah, explains to us that's actually not how it happened. I just thought it was a good fashion choice. I'll believe okay. it. That's fine. Yeah, I'll until then, I'm going with the uh, lost bet story. Uh, this is a, a video. Uh, it's making the rounds on the internet. I don't know how long ago this happened, but it's pretty amazing uh, footage. If you watch, it is in, uh, where is it, uh, the Philippines, was it? The Philippines. And a guy who, the guy who is at the cash register oh, yeah, yeah. Um, is about to, he takes out his knife right here and puts it to the back of the cashier to rob the person. Look at the person behind him in line, though. He realizes, is this a robbery? Like, what's going on? Oh, then yeah. he takes out his gun, points it at him, and uh, shockingly, robbery uh, stops. 
Look, dude, I just was uh, just getting my stuff here. Yeah, I was just getting the cash I needed out of his drawer. Let's watch that again so you can kind of see it. Because he takes, you see the first guy take the knife out, and he just points it right into the back, uh, standing there kind of behind her because she's facing the other way. Here he goes, takes the knife out here, out of his back. Oh, was that my knife? I thought it was my wallet. At her and says, give me the money. The guy in the back realizes, holy crap, I've got a gun. He can't, he's like, this is like the perfect situation. And then uh, he realize he waits to really confirm it. Yeah. And then holds it out and says, freeze. Guys, oh, then, uh, oh, you know what? Puts it drops the money down. Ah, that's one of those. Nice. Now, that's in the Philippines where the Second Amendment is not applicable, uh, Jeffy. That's fantastic. Um, well, however, yeah, I mean, this is similar, although no, no uh, real weapons were used. But uh, here in the, in the U.S., the uh, FedEx driver that picked up the flags when the protesters were burning the flags, and uh, he was all, they were all over him, uh, pissed at the FedEx guy for stopping the, uh, uh, the protesters from burning the flags. In downtown, they had a couple of flags. He just got out of his truck, picked it up, brought his uh, fire extinguisher, put out the fire, took the flags, told, pushed the guys away, and they were all mad at FedEx. Well, FedEx uh, came back and tweeted, uh, we've reviewed uh, the case, and uh, nothing's going to happen to him. He's fine. That's great. That. that is great. That is. I saw the picture of that one. Uh, yes. Yeah, but I just cool fin- I, finally, finally, at least for now, um, you know, FedEx is saying, no, he's The fine. good guys won one. Yes. That's kind of nice. Yes. Uh, who knew it was even possible? Um, so are you looking for a new job, Jeffy? I mean, I'm just, you know, just a friendly advice. Maybe you should. But, I mean, I've... You, you know, I'm here. It's, hey, it's never bad to have that resume updated, right? I mean, that's what they say. I mean, I always thought it just meant that that's advice for people that... That are you know, would be that don't have jobs. That don't have jobs. Job. Maybe maybe yeah. they're three days away from uh, losing their job. <laughs> you know. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's the type of thing you should maybe think about. Um, well, they have a job here for you potentially. It involves uh, very little stress, complete disconnection from the outside world. Sounds great for you. Yes, it does. Local officials and church leaders in an Austrian town have maybe just the gig for you. Christian outlook and uh, a sufficient. A self-sufficient person who is at peace with herself and willing yep. to talk to people but not to impose. I mean, we've obviously lost you at Christian Outlook. Um, <laughs> they want to uh, basically live the cave uh, house. It's yes. built, I guess it's, it's, it's in a it's cave. Up in a, it's a, it's in, a, in a mountain. Actually, I remember the story from uh, when they first were, were started looking for uh, someone to... Uh, uh, to for the job, and it's up in the mountain. It's up in the mountain in this small town, and it's like a summer. People hike through there, so you you during the summer they want people there, and they would like to have someone there greeting the people and praying with the people and all you know throughout the summer, because uh, you can only live in the cave for about three or four months out of the year. Uh, that's it, because uh, it gets too cold, and uh, there's no running water, there's no electricity. You're just living in the cave, and you're greeting the people all you know 24/7. Uh, while you can, and there's no pay, and the reason that they're looking for someone is because the monk that had the gig, uh, he just left. Uh, the monk said, "I'm out. See you later. I don't really want to do this anymore." I, I look, that that's happens. a little. I mean, yeah, I know, but you're a monk, right? I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. I mean, yeah, yeah, so yeah, I mean, but it was cold. <laughs> and believe me, as a guy who does not like the studio temperature here. I've thought myself many times of maybe we can hire someone to just kind of sit here and rattle off some numbers. Who cares, right? I mean, who cares who it is? Just some number guy. Just have him sit down here and read some spreadsheets. Who cares? Why are you nodding? No, I... <laughs> you know... I mean, whatever you think, Steve. I mean, I mean, it's getting a little warm in here. I'll tell you that. 
Time to fire up one of those AC burners again. Triple Eight Seven Twenty Seven Beck is the number. We have spoons coming up in a minute. We have a couple of varieties of M and M's, which what? apparently, what I've told scientifically, do not melt in your hand, rather in your mouth. And we're going to test that out here in just a minute. Another Science. Thing. Time for Spoons, the segment of the program in which we uh, talk about science. Wait, don't. Oh. We talk about science and uh, the important things we're learning for you for science. A lot of times we try to justify it, and it seems like, oh my God, they're just justifying eating on television. Who would say that? There are people who say who? it, uh, mostly communists. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but the issue today is, I would say, a difficult trick even for us, in that we have been <laughs> given to taste test these. Which are peanut butter M&Ms. Now, this is something that has been around for a zillion years, and we've all eaten. Yeah, but we have to. But I will say, yeah. there is another flavor I never have had, which is, let's try those first, I guess. Uh, coffee nut M&Ms. Coffee nut M&Ms. It is sharing size because no human being could possibly eat that container Right. And see, but the thing is, is that we've got the coffee, so we have to, I mean, you have to have these to compare, right? Compare oh. and contrast. What? Oh, that's right. That's the reason for this. What? Okay, see, I'm told, I'm told in my ear and I am reminded why we do this. It does appear that this peanut package, we have the pack of peanut butter and M&M's. Let me show you. Again, what do you notice about this package that's interesting? It does seem as if the M&M has Donald Trump's hair. <coughs> now, the hair might be made uh, out of peanut tremendous. butter. But it does seem like maybe the M&M people are screwing with Trump. Are they trolling Trump with this package? And then, of course, we just bought them, and now we're going to eat them because... Because <laughs> they're trolling the Trump. Right, right. So let's try with the coffee nut one first. Uh, that's uh, pretty interesting. Sharing size. I love that. Sharing size. What a scam. Everyone just eats all of them themselves. Not you, Jeffy. Not you. Okay, here we go. we got the uh, three colors, by the way, inside. You know, okay. You're going to get a quick view. Three colors you got. You know, obviously, I'm sure there's no difference in actual taste here, but they're going to give you the kind of the, the colors of... Uh, Thank you, Jeffy, for pointing at me. You're welcome. Let's try a couple of these things. Mm. So this is coffee. Okay. Mm. You got it? Peanut in there? Mm. Actually, not bad. Not bad. It's got a, um, it's kind of a similar to a coffee ice cream. It's not super strong coffee, which a super strong coffee would bother me. I'm not a big, uh, I don't drink coffee at all. I wonder what, the, are the colors, do they taste different? No. The no, colors I don't taste too bad. I don't think so. I don't like to eat them all at once because it gives it different flavors. I don't think so. No, don't Maybe, I mean, it could be. Is there a espresso or something? They all sound, taste pretty much the same to me. I think these are like Fruit Loops. Yeah, they all just taste the same. Uh, these are peanut butter M&M's. They taste like peanut butter. Mm, oh my gosh. What? Tremendous. Peanut butter M&M. Let's see if the In the battle between peanut butter M&M's and Reese's Pieces, I'm still going Reese's Pieces. Are you really? Yes. However, I oh. do enjoy these quite a bit. Oh. They're nice and soft. Like what I like to do with an M&M. You kind of have it in your fingers like this. Where are we going? Over here. And if you can push down on the M&M and get a little bit of give, that's nice. And then, of course, you go really hard. You can get it to just smush into like that sort of form. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What I like to do is I like to pour half the bag in my hand like this. 
And you just hold, hold your hand like that. Mm -hmm. mm. So well, let's test Jeffy. Uh, rating one to eighteen. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a, a twelve. Well, eighteen. <laughs>